You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. I hope you guys are having a great start to the fall season. And since it's my favorite time of the year, that being Halloween time, uh, hey, it's Labor Day. Uh, it's officially Halloween time. Nobody can argue. Don't at me. Um, but because we're we're well into the Halloween time season now, uh, I think it's time for you to treat yourself to some delicious baked goods. And the best place to do that is fredsbs.com. His ingredients are fresh, never frozen. He's got all sorts of cookies and brownies and jams. Oh my, um, blondies too. They're really good. He's working on pies. And if you're an LA local, you can even choose free pickup instead of delivery. While you're there, go ahead and use that coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, you can go to the thepodcastjukeboxnetwork.com and buy some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. So I can't emphasize enough how much we appreciate all of you guys who listen regularly, who rate and leave comments. We love hearing from you. We love we love that you support us. It's incredible. We love that you spread the word. So uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we we really appreciate you guys. All right, on that note, Michelle, take it away. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers. And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times we hang our heads in sadness We know there's no love lost We had to go back Did we though? Did we? I mean, <laughs> we could just cancel the podcast. Oh, I didn't realize that was an that option. That was an option. I mean... Cool. I, you want to go get Taco Bell? You know, I guess technically you can walk away at any time. <laughs> It'd be pretty lousy, but I guess technically you could just... No, that would be rude. That would be terribly rude. Also, you were kind enough to pour me this delightful glass of whiskey, and so I feel like it would be doubly rude. One, it'd be rude for me to walk away. Two, it would be a waste of perfectly good liquor, so I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Let's be honest. That liquor's not that good. <laughs> I'm not too picky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down frame by frame. Oh my god. Every... <laughs> episode <laughs> of lost i am your host will lincoln with me as always megan salinas hey everybody and we're here to talk about season two episode 12 fire and water or is it fire plus water <laughs> i think it's fire and water but yeah it's weird that there's that plus there um which know- i'm gonna be honest i don't even really get that as uh, in any way relating to... Well, there's a fire that they put out with there water. There is... <laughs> I mean, I if mean, we want to be there very... There is the li- ocean, and a fire does happen in this episode. There's a baptism, which uses water, and sometimes you're baptized by fire. I mean, there's also the Holy Spirit 
appeared as a flame one time in the Bible. So back to one thing that we said before about breaking down frame by frame. Imagine if we had decided to do this podcast like they do, like the Star Wars minute, where they just break down every uh, minute of Star Wars one episode at a time. Imagine we did that with this show. I mean, we'd be psychotic. We'd still be on episode one. I mean, oh my, yeah, no, no, we're we're literally like this is going to take a long time. We're we're only halfway through season two, this and should... we we started this. Like June of last year, I think. This should be the Lost Minute podcast where we break down every minute. And we just do this till we're in our 80s or 90s. I mean... Don't die on me, man. (laughs) Oh, man. That's insane. That's bonkers. I can't believe that that's a show. I... Is it a podcast or is it like on YouTube? I've never listened to it. That just seems like a lot. I I mean, I feel like I need to check it out. I I don't think I need to listen to it in its entirety, but I I wouldn't hate checking it out. And it's like, well, now we're going to do that minute where uh, Jar Jar Binks steps in (laughs) Bantha Poo. Oh, no. Um, Oh, that sounds like an (laughs) evil purgatory. (laughs) Um, This episode was written by Edward... uh, Kitsis and Adam Horwitz, who previously this season wrote Everybody Hates Hugo. And it's directed by uh, Lost All-Star director Jack Bender. Okay. Which is interesting because right before we started, you said that you were kind of cold on this episode. And I think it has problems, too. I will give this episode credit. It is a memorable one because I remember it from my first watch through that... And I think they're kind of like what we were saying about the last episode. There are good parts of it, and I find aspects of the flashback sequences to be really rich and really interesting. But the episode itself, yeah, I'm not crazy about. And before we go any further, we should probably say uh, if this, for whatever reason, is your first episode of No Love Lost, FYI, uh, even though we're breaking down a particular episode, we are spoiling the entire series. So, uh, if just fair warning if you haven't made it through Lost as of yet. If you're someone who's just a really big fan of this particular episode <laughs> and you've tuned in, like, I need to know more fire and, and water. I, I apologize because you'll probably be offended because I did not care for this. I did not care for it upon a first watch all those years ago, and I don't well, care for it now. I know this is a memorable episode for you because... A couple times. <laughs> Sorry, was a murder taking place outside? What's going on? It's like a Kitty Genovese situation outside. <laughs> so, um, I know this was a memorable episode for you because at least twice in the last couple episodes that we've done, you've referenced this episode because we were trying to remember when this happened, was Charlie using, just like Locke is asking? Yeah. Or was this island messing with them? Um... And we never, because Charlie is such a casual liar when it comes to, like, literally, and it's, you know, again, kudos to the performance from Dominic Monaghan. He's great in it. It's hard to tell when Charlie is lying because there's an earnestness whenever he delivers. Like, the only reason I could tell he was lying in certain points is because of dramatic irony where we, the audience, know things that the characters don't. And like that would in in some in some instances those were the 
sometimes the only points where I could actually tell whether or not he was lying. And that's 100% intentional. We as the audience are meant to be guessing just as much as Locke and Claire about Charlie's mental state of mind. And so I, I my opinion is that he wasn't using... No, my he opinion being, is he wasn't either. Yeah, it was, it was that he was being honest. But, yeah... And I will say, even though I didn't like this episode, I really do like the one line that Charlie gives about, you know, Kate sees a horse. I wrote nobody, that down. Nobody bats an eyelash. People see Walt all over the place. Everybody accepts that. People hear whispers in the jungle. That's not a big deal. But Charlie sees something, and it must be the drugs. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that down because that's a legitimate defense he has in this episode that nobody seems to care or respect and i have an issue with that which i, I guess too. I we'll too. get in we'll get into that more uh when we get into it overall in this episode lost a show that deals with religion and a lot of the times it deals with religion in a tangential way or in a metaphorical way yes and this is one of the few times where it re- other it's than the explicit fa- other than the fact that a big part of the finale takes place in a church. This is this is one of the times where it really hits you with religious imagery and hits you over the head with it. And I, I mean, mean, maybe it's too obvious in it. I mean, that I think is my problem with it is that like it it's just so weird for a show that works so much on allegory and you know, for a show where, like, literally a divine entity, I'm not saying the divine entity, but a divine entity resides within this island. Like, Jacob may or may not be God, or, he, you know, he may or may not be an emissary of God, but it's so weird that the religion that, you know, the, the actual supernatural divine aspects of this island and and granted you know they were still probably all figuring this out but it's so weird that the actual divine stuff that's happening on this island in no way shape or form actually correlates to any one particular religion and it's so it's it's really weird when charlie goes around running around saying we have to baptize the baby because i'm like i feel like the divine aspects that make up this particular weird ass place don't really care about whether or not someone's baptized or not. Yeah. Um let's start at the start. This episode also is someone who likes to go through the flashback and then go to the island. This the start of this episode poses a problem for me. <laughs> because, because it's kind of a flashback. It's kind but of it's a, a flashback. Yeah, so it starts off, it's it's Christmas morning and Voltron! <laughs> yeah, little, little Liam is playing with his Voltron. Can I just say, my family has that Voltron. I actually still have our family Voltron. It's in my closet in my apartment right now. Really? <laughs> we still have it, yeah. Nice, the family Voltron. Yeah, they It's an do. heirloom. <laughs> and one day I shall pass it on to my children. No, all the pilots are gone, and it's basically in tatters, but we still have it. And so it made me, it made me really happy to see that same exact toy model with all its pieces still together. But poor Charlie's got no presents. No. And you think it's going to be some Dickensian, uh, like, sad <laughs> little story here. Which it kind of turns into. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. 
But then, here's a surprise. His mother, Megan. She... <laughs> <laughs> little weird. <laughs> she has a giant present for Charlie. She's got a piano because Charlie's so special. Now, here's the thing. How much of this is a dream? How much of this is legitimate flashback? I guess it's all a dream, but he did legitimately get a piano as a gift in the past because then he starts playing and then all of a sudden we're seeing his... his, A grown brother. A grown brother sitting there in his underwear playing with... (laughs) Yeah, playing with toys. And then Charlie's grown. Then he has a vision of his father, the butcher. Who apparently is a character in Charlie Brown because we never see his face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that much, I thought was interesting. When this early on in the series, we don't see someone's face, part of me always thinks, oh, they weren't sure this might have to be is somebody. He... <laughs> Maybe it's Jack's dad. He gonna... moonlighted as Christian Shepherd would moonlight as a butcher in England and father children. <laughs> I was thinking more like uh, <laughs> it was Locke's dad again, just taking on another identity. I mean, you know, who knows? <laughs> um, there are so many fathers with so many secret families in this series. And then they're like, save us, Charlie. You have to save us. Yeah, save us, Charlie. No pressure, right? And then, all of a sudden, Charlie's playing the piano on the beach. And it's actually a very lovely shot of him. You know, it's something out of a music video. Yeah, really. no, for sure. And no, it's a it's a cool dream sequence. Like, seeing that piano on the beach. It's, it's a cool image. And, like, the sound of Aaron crying um, is downright haunting. Well, that's the thing, yeah. You're hearing... The muffled sound of a cry from inside the piano and Charlie's like Aaron's in the piano but then the piano's taken out to sea and what's gonna happen because at this point we realize this is all a dream but it's still and maybe it's something in Dominic Monaghan's performance the way it's up but it was still something that feels really real and tangible yeah, about this moment there's an earnestness to his performance that really sells it And uh, then it turns out it's a dream. Now, I will say, I feel like I should have kind of run with this right after this cold open. um, Because this is actually the first episode where I really question the validity of the flashback sequences. Um, which is something I feel like I've never done before. Oh, Kate has a flashback sequence, you believe it. Jack has a flashback <laughs> sequence, you believe it. But old Charlie has a flashback sequence, and you think he's using. He's a liar. Well, no, this, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean that in a way of recontextualizing literally every flashback that's come before, because everyone's the hero in their own story. Yes. And, and, and like... So this this episode has actually made me question whether or not all the flashback sequences that we've seen are actually what happened or if they're the individual's interpretations of what happened. And and we'll get to it in a little bit as we as we continue on with the flashbacks of this episode, but there's the way Charlie is presented in these flashbacks is what makes me really question it. You know what it, it it's interesting um, that that you bring this up because I, I kind of do take the flashbacks at face value, but you're right. I about, do too. You're right about the whole everyone's a the hero of their own story, and it's a lot of these flashbacks are clearly like we see 
Michael's face. And then, <laughs> so it's clearly we're going into his mind and how much of this is his own recollections yeah. of these things. Is, how is much the is filtered a perception? Is yeah. it Jack's perception of things? Like, doesn't I, it make so much sense? Look, like, even just looking at the last episode, a beautiful woman kisses Jack and he kisses her back and he immediately confesses. And it turns out he's not the bad guy because his wife confesses to infidelity right then and there. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Showtime show The Affair. I have not. Uh, and one of the things, and over the years it's gotten a little bit away from, from this as their story's gone, went slightly off the rails, then got back on track. But one of the things I loved about that show was we would see, it, it, basically the whole show is kind of the idea, it's a flashback, but we'd see it from like, like, this guy Noah's point of view then we'd see the same scene later from Allison's point of view and in Noah's point of view Allison would look like gorgeous like she stepped out of some magazine in the dress she's wearing but then in Allison's point of view like her hair is all ratty and her hair's and it's like oh in the truth probably it's a Rashomon <laughs> yeah and the truth lies somewhere in between and I wonder if a show like Lost started today in an age where we have a show like that if they would play with that more. Because I still, I don't think that was their intention. It's, I don't think so either. It, it's also interesting, we were talking about this movie off off air, and you haven't seen it yet, but the new Quentin Tarantino film, Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a big flashback sequence in it. This doesn't give anything away. There's a big flashback sequence in it. And there have been some debates and possibly defenses of things that happen in the flashback because their argument is this is this person's recollection of things. Mm-hmm. Not actually how they happen, just how this person recalls them happening. And it, it, it does bring into question when we see flashbacks in a film or TV show, and I can't believe we're just getting to this now, <laughs> but when we see flashbacks in a is film or TV show. Is this an objective view yeah. of what's happening or is this their perception of it? Um, I guess one of the reasons why I've always taken the flashbacks as face value of this show is because there are so many of them. Yeah, for for me, I've always taken them at face value too. And this, again, I've already seen this series all the way through once. This is the only time I've ever really questioned it because we're going through it again. But I've always taken them at face value because there there are even instances where we get flashbacks to things that our characters aren't privy to. Like, um, I think back to the first flashback episode with Michael where we had, even though it was his flashback episode, we had that random one for Walt and it wasn't from Walt's point of view either it was from the point of view of his stepfather and so it kind of came out of nowhere it literally just existed to give the audience context for the stepfather's interactions with Michael you know in in the following scene um so I definitely take them at face value too and I think they're meant to be taken at face value I'm just saying that this episode was the first time I really questioned that as we were going through it because I was like wait a minute wait a minute Charlie's coming off pretty good in these flashbacks he's also in these flashbacks he's clearly an addict at this point but we don't see him use ever he's if he's an addict in the sequences that that that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm like he is the most functional heroin addict I've ever seen. <laughs> well, we know that he got hooked on heroin 
while he was with his brother. And at the end of these flashbacks, the brother leaves town. And there's yeah. a line where he asks Charlie, like, if he's got any or whatever, if he's yeah. holding or whatever. Um, well, let's, let's go through this flashback a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once we get back to the flashback, Charlie is visiting his niece, who is also named Megan. Megan. Who's just been born. And in the uh, Hulu subtitles, they spell it correctly, which is M-E-G-A-N. The only way to spell it. You don't want to throw like an H in there? No. You see those weirdos? An H, an extra E, an extra A. I, I knew a girl growing up extra whose name... Extra E. Yeah. Megan. <laughs> Megan's actually okay, because that's a different name. Okay. Um, but like, I knew a girl growing up that was Meg Dash Ann. Like, literally, her name was Meg Ann, not Megan. And, yeah, I've known people with H's. I've known people with extra E's and extra A's and extra H's. There are so many different ways to spell it, and I'm like, why add all those extra letters? Five will suffice. I dated a girl for eight months named Meg, and I don't know whether that was short for Megan or not. (laughs) Or she was just Meg. Huh. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> I have friends who call me Meg. I have also I also have friends who call me Megs. That's fun too. So um, anyway, so, so anyway, the baby's so name the baby's is, is Megan, Megan, named after their mom, which is so sweet. And Charlie covers for Liam. He lies. We don't know yeah. at the time it's a lie, but he lies. No, no, no. We say, know because. Um, because Charlie's first flashback episode, Liam talks about what he was doing the night his daughter was oh, born. Oh, shit, you're right. So we do know. We do know already. Good memory. Better <laughs> than mine. You must See, really love this show. No, this is why we have to work together. This is why we have to work together. Or we die alone. <laughs> uh, you got me there. So... <laughs> Charlie comes home to find Liam is is passed out, strung out on smack. Jeez. Like, oh, man. And Charlie gives this real this speech about the importance of, of and fatherhood. And fatherhood is important to Charlie. Charlie is trying because as desperately we... to be that figure for Aaron. Well, because it, their father was never supportive. Yeah. You know, it's... And Charlie it's, sees a baby without a father. He wants to fill that void. Yeah, because he knows what that feels like. Um, whether or not it's his place to do so varies on a case-by-case basis. And usually, Charlie, it's none of your business. <laughs> but in this case, because it's related to his niece, I feel like he does have every right yes. to tell his brother... Look, and you know, to give his brother the proverbial come to Jesus talk. Well, it doesn't quite work because the next time we see him, Drive Shaft, they're selling out, man. They're doing a, a Buddy's diaper commercial. And <laughs> I, I did enjoy this because I was like, oh, okay, that explains the weird diaper thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's also fun to see them in. Uh, in a giant crib in diapers and Charlie with a pacifier. But Liam is not keeping it together. They just have to dance around in this crib and, and sing. And lip sync. And lip sync a dr- version of their song, You All, Everybody, with. with uh, I love how we never hear anymore. Yeah. We're able to, except they've replaced everybody with buddies for the diapers. <laughs> oh, 
it's going to be a great ad. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a shame that we'll never get to see it. But Liam like passes out. He's a mess. And the director was like, I've had enough. And Charlie's like, uh, I'm going to... Because they were we... like, what? This is like take 14 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and he's like, we, we need this. And he's like, well, you got to ditch him. He's like, I can't. He's my brother. And it's like, well, then you screwed. Now, I've never been on the set of a commercial before, but can a director just decide we're done? Um, or do you sober that guy the hell up and get it done? I bet you in a situation like this, the director can't make that decision. I, I legitimately somebody, don't know. I would think that if somebody literally can't go on because they're clearly strung out. Yeah, because they are. It's, you're wasting time. You're wasting money. You're wasting, like, I think the director could make that call. We're not going to get through this. And no one's going to hold him responsible for no. making that call. Um and he's like, get me Oasis. Get them in diapers instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need that drive shaft cover band. <laughs> um, so then we see Liam again. He's been kicked out by his wife. And, and Charlie's there at the piano when he comes in. Like Charlie's working something. Liam comes in. He's like, she kicked me out. She thinks I'm dangerous because he dropped he Megan. dropped the baby. Ah. Let me tell you what, I would live it if I, I mean, I held a baby yesterday. I live, I would live, I live in fear. <laughs> it's not even my baby. Well, I guess it would be even worse if it's not my baby and I'm dropping it. <laughs> but it's like, you know. I think a lot of people have anxiety about dropping, dropping, you know, other people's babies. Um, even dropping your own. Um, like there's an, in, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but there's a college humor sketch that's called don't let me hold your baby or don't make me hold your baby. And literally like they, they make their friend Mike hold their baby. And he's like, why would you do this to me? Like my phone is the most expensive thing I own. And this is what it looks like. And oh, the screen's all shattered. And he's like, why would you guys spend nine months making a miracle? Why would you entrust me with it? I can't even get coffee into my mouth without spilling it all over me. <laughs> See, I like holding a baby, but in the back <laughs> of my head, I'm always like, uh oh. Well, but I've been to places where people haven't given me their baby to hold and i'm like can i hold your baby and they're like oh we just figured you didn't want to people don't want to hold the baby and i'm like who doesn't want to hold a baby but this guy who drops his phone and also liam <laughs> well like here's the thing i i love kids um i was recently i i went into town uh my cousin's uh one-year-old uh officially one-year-old had their birthday party uh, this past weekend and so I got to hold the baby for a little bit and the baby's super cute and I love holding the baby um, but I, I know that that's not everybody not everybody's wired that way a lot of people are really anxious around kids for some reason but Liam is on heroin yeah I guess that's and, his problem and it's also his kid so it's a completely different scenario when you're the dad so Liam and granted mistakes happen but he's in hair. He's a heroin addict. By the way, does Charlie ever ask if the baby's okay? I don't think so. I, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> they, then we get back to it's like Liam, he goes, "What's it's wrong with Because he, he goes, "It's gonna be okay." Yeah, is, is, is more it? what he says. Maybe the baby's oh, maybe dropped him on that soft spot. Oh we no! Don't know what happened. <laughs> so I just find it weird he never asks. But anyway, 
uh, Charlie's like, we gotta write again. We gotta make music again. And he starts playing something and Liam's into it. And then there's this moment of like hope where yeah, Liam's like. Because they harmonize as they're singing together. Yeah, Liam yeah. sings with them. And he's like, we're gonna, like, we should pull an all nighter like we used to. And Charlie's like, yeah. And Charlie has that hope. And then Liam's like, like, uh, you got any heroin? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say that exactly, but you know, he's I like, I mean, it's me. what he says, yeah. Yeah. Um,. So then the next time we go into the flashback, Charlie comes home, his piano is gone. This is heartbreaking. And this is terrible. And here's what's crazy about it. Liam didn't sell Charlie's piano for drugs. He sold it because he's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna sell it. I've been clean for two days. We're going. I'm on a hot streak. <laughs> we're going to Australia. Like we're getting away from everything. Which you know what? This does seem like the right instinct. He's got to get a. Liam has to get away from everything yes. he knows to kind of to reset his life. No, but he, you can't sell the man's piano. Here's the thing. He's right in that he needs to get away from the life that he's living in order to get clean and in order to be there for his kid and in order to become a better person. And, the, like, I I even, to an extent, to somebody, like, in the mindset of somebody who is going through withdrawal s- symptoms, who has no money, who, who honestly sees no way out other than this, I understand selling the peace. Yeah, no, without your brother's consent. He doesn't he doesn't apologize though. He doesn't apologize and he doesn't promise to pay Charlie back. He double downs on He double downs. He just goes, I had to do this. Sucks to be you, little brother. Like, it sucks. Like, I I understand the mind fret the mind frame that he's coming from. It doesn't make it okay. Like he clearly had nothing of his own to sell, so he had to steal from his brother. Like, that's shitty. But you know what you also could have done? You also could have asked Charlie. Charlie, I have nothing. Can I either A, borrow some money, or can we sell the piano? And Charlie's going to tell you no, and I don't know, figure something else out, if yeah. that's the case. It wasn't right. I, I wonder if it was a thing that... The mindset Liam had at that moment, it's like pulling off a band-aid. Like, I have to do it now, or I'm not going to do it. Or maybe it even wasn't necessarily about the money. Maybe there were other things that he could have sold or could have done in a short time frame to earn the money to go. Maybe Liam's just an asshole. I mean, yes. But maybe it was also, oddly enough, that he was blaming the music. Like, if that makes any sense. I get that. He's blaming the music and blaming his little brother, and so maybe the real reason why he did... Like, maybe he could have figured out another way to do it, but maybe subconsciously or even consciously, he was like, my life wouldn't be where it's at right now in this garbage heap if it hadn't been for the music and subsequently this piano. Like, maybe, maybe if this flashback sequence was done from Liam's point of view, like this piano would literally be embodying 
everything that's gone wrong in his life and the source of every mistake he's ever made is traced back to this piano, even though it's not his. Maybe just in his mind, that's where he's assigning blame, and so he decides it needs to go. Mm. Like, it's, it's the cause of all his woes, and ultimately it will become the way he, he finds a way out. Maybe. Like, I, those are all ways he could be justifying it to himself, but the long and short of it is, Liam, you're an asshole. <laughs> Whatever's going through his mind, it's a dick move, and it's a dick move that he doesn't apologize. So now let's go to the island. <laughs> I always, sorry, we get so wrapped up talking about these flashback sequences. Well, also, we were talking about the origins of the name <laughs> Megan. Which... I mentioned, uh, we got into, like, what flashbacks mean <laughs> in greater media than even Lost. Like, we, we went on some... Fun fact, do you know what the name Megan means? No. It means a pearl. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know what the name William means? What? I have no idea. <laughs> Should we look it up? I've never bothered to look it up. Really? Yeah, because I don't know. Just like people go to me like, oh, where's your family from? Like, what, like where do they go back from? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Europe? Question mark? They go, oh, like, have you ever thought of getting like one of those... 23andMe test find out like I'm like I'm like nope, nope I don't want a company owning I my have, DNA I'm just like I have no interest <laughs> I know the relatives in my family who I've met in my life and that's good enough for me <laughs> um <laughs> I'm a little bit of Irish I'm a little bit German I'm a little bit Norwegian and 50% Mexican well I mean I know that much like I know like uh, my mom's side of the family Italian father's sides like irish greek i know i got that stuff going on but you know anyway the point the is specifics you're like meh yeah where where did they live i don't know <laughs> uh charlie is very concerned charlie wakes up from this dream and charlie is very concerned that the baby is not okay and he's like oh where's where's aaron where's aaron where's and they're like oh it's with clint now remember charlie has been kicked out of whatever weird pseudo relationship they had yeah he's been pseudo dumped i almost don't want to say dumped because they weren't dating. they weren't together like uh, the way claire lays it out is we didn't know each other we were on the same plane we became friends and now it's done um yeah she says there was no before yeah and and to her credit too i'm i think she still has amnesia from the time the plane crashed to when she came back. So she doesn't remember a lot of, and it could like be she. No, she has it? her journal, so she she's filled in the gaps. But it's a different. There's a difference between reading what happened to you, even when it's from your own words, and actually remembering what happened to you. Now, we're gonna get into some things, because Charlie sees her with Locke. He's got this weird Locke I jealousy hate thing, this. and I this hate isn't this the so first much. time that we've seen this. Because there's not, and I guess the point is that it's all Charlie's weirdness and paranoia. Yeah. But there is, like, it's not like there's even, like, any romantic thing between uh, no. uh, Locke and it's, Claire. It's, it's not clearly, even a hint of that. It's clearly platonic, but Charlie 
it, it's it comes from a place of jealousy not because he's jealous of what Locke might mean to Claire but because of Locke filling that parental father role Charlie wants to be a father figure. well if if we want to take another like kind of meta step back too in some ways you can look at this as Locke kind of filling that fatherly role to Claire as well um, because you know as we find out later Christian Shepherd isn't exactly you know world's greatest dad yeah. for for poor Claire and so like she doesn't have a strong male role model in her life either so Locke being kind of a parental figure to both her and Aaron is kind of like a double insult to Charlie, if that makes any sense. Because it's like, here's a guy filling the fatherly role for two people, not just one. Charlie is a fan favorite. We all love Charlie. Charlie has one of the best, uh, spoiler, deaths on the show and one of the most meaningful ones. Uh, we love Charlie. Why do we love Charlie? That's a great question. Because, <laughs> and I don't know, is this... Is this why we realize we don't like Charlie? Well, I mean, I, I do like Charlie. I do too, and but maybe I hated a lot of, this episode. Maybe a lot of that's just the performance. Maybe a lot of that is, I do think he starts off better, he goes to a bad place, and then he ends before he's leaves the I, show he he hits a high note again yeah and this is legitimately him this and something else he's gonna do at a certain point or legitimately him at his darkest like at his rock yeah. bottoms so maybe i'm bringing too much of that but even his relationship with claire when before he's hitting rock bottom and i am not i am someone who actively does not look at things necessarily through the lens of shipping 20- well i was also saying through like sometimes the lens of 2019 mm-hmm. where i'm like well this was made in 2006 and i was around in 2006 and i view it through that lens but is charlie like his views on how he's ingratiated himself into claire's life who's claire's kind of i don't want to say helpless but she is stranded on an island uh terrified well, she's just given birth to a baby she wasn't even going to keep is his behavior towards her is somewhat toxic right it absolutely is and like um even the the episode where he's like kind of chastising her a little bit because she woke Aaron up yes. in the middle of the night um and he's like well now he's going to be fussy all day um like, it's the, like what an <laughs> asshole the here's the here's the thing I 100% agree with you. This the way he condescends to her and the way he basically keeps trying to remove her sense of agency in raising her own son. Those are all very much negatives and to this episode's credit, I think the point is that not the the saving grace of this episode which I think in my mind keeps it from being a a total waste of time is that in no way, shape, or form is he framed as being yeah. right. No, we know Charlie is wrong. Yeah. Um, 
and we know and and he is punished for it yes. in this episode so that yeah oddly enough that helps us like him more down the road probably because he is punished for it yeah um it's it's like he he did the wrong thing and there were consequences for it and then he had to make up for it and and i i i love charlie i would if you asked me who one of my favorite characters in the the whole show was or at least to the point he was on charlie is one of them he is a character with humor which i think helps humor heart yeah and he does have heart and the thing is i think we also accept it because we know even in this episode weirdly his heart is in the right place with aaron he's just i mean how much is it the island fucking with him well, we'll get to this. So, so, <laughs> so Claire's like, you know, Claire needs space. Charlie's not going to give it to her, but Claire needs He's space. He's like, buy Aaron to carry him on. So then, <laughs> do you like my Dominic uh, on Dead on. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was terrible. So, cut to the baby's crying again. What is it? The crib. The is crib in the is ocean. out to sea. And he goes in to the ocean to get the baby. I imagine this probably wasn't fun to film because he's literally like swimming through ocean waves. I don't know if you've ever swam in the ocean. It's tough. <laughs> and you got to catch up with that crib. And then when that he couldn't have been a fun shoot. when he gets when he gets the baby, all of a sudden he has this vision of his. Yeah, he he brings the crib back to the shore and he picks up Aaron and yeah, he sees both his mom. And Claire, dressed in what I can only describe as a renaissance. Well, he <laughs> said later, he said he saw them as angels. I wrote down that they were saints. They looked, like, honestly, Claire looked more like the Virgin Mary. Yeah. The way the, the Virgin Mary is depicted. So, um, Charlie, I know it's been a while since you've been to church, but... And they're like... I, honestly, I would have looked, when I was looking at it, I was like, this looks like the Virgin Mary and Mary Magdalene kind of like that, that that maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm assigning my own meaning to that well, well he has this vision they're saying like you have to save him you have to save him and so, huh? and then uh, he sees a dove fly by and then he sees hurley btw these effects are real weird that, <laughs> the aesthetic of this sequence is very very bizarre it's meant to look like a renaissance painting and it's look it's they know they made a bizarre yeah. looking thing and it's because it's a dream sequence it's meant to be bizarre and that's the justification for it that doesn't necessarily mean i have to like it but i do appreciate hugo looking like jesus and he just kind of <laughs> wanders in like hey dude um but he breaks it basically and charlie snaps out of it and, and in okay in fairness to charlie he didn't know he was kidnapping the baby no no here's the thing i actually love this moment it's undermined later in the episode um when the fire happens but i find you know me well i love my horror movies you do this is a goddamn horror movie moment where he because it's it's bright daylight in his dream sequence and then when he wakes up it's pitch black in the dead of night and he's not on the shore he's in the water like yeah and 
Hurley going, you know, what are you doing with the baby? Nobody else is around. Like, and it's pitch black out. Then he's downright chilling. He's like, what are you doing? Like, I hated the dream sequence, but I love the moment where he wakes up. This, like, like I said, I love my horror movie moments, and this is a goddamn chilling horror movie moment. And inevitably, Claire realizes her baby's gone. She starts yelling, then they're like, ah, oh, the baby's here. She's Charlie has the baby, and she does the logical thing of smacking him in the face. Yep. I would, too. Yeah, it's her baby. Now, again, and, and this isn't his fault. He was clearly sleepwalking. But he hasn't done himself any favors previous to this. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. So opposite of that is what he's done. So Charlie goes to talk to Locke. And cool. Locke's got no patience for him. No. And this is when Charlie explains that like he was sleepwalking or whatever. Which and, is true. Which is which true. Is part of but, the heartbreaking aspect of this. But Locke does then question Charlie, like, are you using? Because it does seem like, you know, someone I mean this is erratic behavior. And that's when Charlie says the great line that we've already talked about, whereas, like, Claire sees a horse, everybody sees Walt. Charlie's 100% right. And by the way, if there's anyone who at this moment should believe him, it's the one person who truly believes that this island is is doing things to everyone there, and that's Locke. And I do take a little issue that Locke is so dismissive of Charlie here because... Yeah, this seems more like a Jack thing to do, right? Yes. It feels very much like a Jack thing. I feel like Locke would have given him the benefit of the doubt because he knew Charlie chose not to do the drugs. You know, way back when for the the episode The Moth, um, Charlie chose to get clean. Um, And, you know, Jack seems to be the person that's going to be like your disappointed dad, always assuming the worst of you, right? Now, I guess maybe it's because... Though, I I mean, I guess the argument is that Locke is the one who was there for Charlie to help him with that and is a disappointment in it. But at the same time, yeah, if if Charlie came to Locke and said, I had a vision of Walt, Locke might believe him. I have another justification for it, actually. Maybe part of the reason, and again, maybe this is me doing mental gymnastics or reading into things that, like, don't really matter or weren't really there in the authorial intent anyway but you remember Locke's flashback sequence when he meets his father yes what was it that his mother said to him when they were sitting down and having their powwow she said you were immaculately conceived and and Hmm. his mother what we find out like he assumes that his mother's mentally ill when when she says that and it's funny because like Locke for for being the man of faith is not a religious man and I think you know stuff like that kind of factors into it and what he ends up finding out by the end of that episode is that that was all an act his mother was lying to him when she was spewing this religious nonsense or, or the seemingly religious nonsense. And so when Charlie is coming to him 
from a position of like, here's a thing that I'm asking you to believe, give me the benefit of the doubt, his frame of reference for overt religious messages being told to him in a particular way is probably, well, this is a lie. And it's not Helen telling him to take a leap of faith in regards to their relationship. It's literally Charlie telling him, I'm being tested. The island is testing me. This is a thing you believe, right, Locke? Believe me. So I I understand it if that's the framework we're looking at it from, but you're not wrong in saying that it's weird. Well, where... I mean, it might have played better for me if Locke was a little more into believing Charlie now, but I totally understand why then when he catches Charlie with the statue and actually holding heroin in his hands because he broke one open. I totally understand at that point where all trust and belief in Charlie goes out the window. Yeah, And Locke doesn't give him the choice to get rid of the heroin anymore. He takes the heroin from him. Because there's a lot of statues there. It's not just... I was trying to make the argument for the justification of keeping one statue around as some sort of weird test. Yeah. But, you or like a security blanket or yeah, something. Something you, to just comfort You don't need him. like a dozen of them. You don't need a dozen security blankets. Now, one will suffice. Now, let me tell you what. Here's another problem. Before Locke catches him with these. He, he has broken one open. Well, I was going to say before even that. Charlie goes to Echo. Yeah. <laughs> I literally yelled out at the end of the scene. I was like, you are not helping. <laughs> I wrote Echo, don't feed into this. Because Charlie, You are being a bad influence, Mr. Charlie, Drug Dealer. <laughs> Charlie tells Echo about the dream. And Echo's like, oh. And then Echo is like, oh, like, might have to baptize Aaron. Which it's, is hilarious. Because... Echo is actually the person that handed him a statue filled with drugs and says, here, to replace the one I broke. He handed him drugs and then goes, yeah, Charlie, this thing that you're hallucinating, a real thing. What's wrong with you, Mr. Echo? Yeah, Echo really doesn't do Charlie in favor because Echo feeds into the idea that the baby needs to be baptized because Echo mm. believes the baby needs to be baptized. Now, later when Charlie's mm. trying to do it and i don't know what authority charlie has to baptize he doesn't he's not ordained granted mr echo is only sort of pseudo ordained Um, neither of these baptisms would count (laughs) and that's all i'm saying so so echo helps feed into charlie's delusion here um in the meantime the idea of uh, baptism is brought to Claire, who, because it's brought by Charlie, she's like, get away from me, Charlie. <laughs> but she's thinking about it. She is thinking about it, because she asks Locke about it. And, you know, Locke is like, oh, it's something about he getting into heaven. spiritual insurance. Which, yes, which it kind uh, of is. If you're looking at uh, Catholicism, um, if an unbaptized baby dies... They go to purgatory. They go to purgatory, yes. <laughs> Poor unbaptized babies. Poor unbaptized babies. Um, well, you know, Charlie feels he has to save this baby, and it's put the idea of baptism in Claire's head. And maybe she 
you know, but she does say, or I think it's Locke who says the thing. Because Claire almost for a second buys into it when they're talking about baptism. And I think it's Locke who says uh, Charlie has to save the baby because he can't save himself. Yeah. Which, again, to speaking to Locke's kindness, he doesn't actually rat Charlie out because he's about to tell Claire what he discovered from, you know, or what he suspects. I forget in what order it happened but like he's about to kind of rat charlie out and then decides not to because i think he knows there's good in charlie yeah of course Um, of course he knows there's good in charlie and he can't bring himself to throw charlie completely under the bus at this point uh lock claire's like can we sleep in the hatch and lock's like no (laughs) well you could but everyone would be miserable (laughs) well he's right because the that Alarm. That alarm would go off. The baby would wake up. The baby would cry. The baby wouldn't stop crying. Oh, poor Desmond. Every, what is it, every two hours? Yeah. Oh, poor Desmond. <laughs> um, so, Could you but, imagine waking up every two hours in the middle of the night every single day? I think that's what people with babies <laughs> think. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, um... Uh, Locke does say he'll sleep near uh, Claire. He's like, I'll bring my stuff down here if that'll make you feel yeah. safe. Yeah. Which is nice of him. But yeah. a lot of good it does anybody. Because... Oh my god! I am so mad at this entire sequence! I'm mad at literally everyone involved. So Charlie is clearly doing some suspicious shit. He's got his hood on. Yeah. That's how you know. No, it's suspicious. It's emo Charlie. <laughs> and Saeed's like, hey... Charlie, can you help me and random person do random thing? And <laughs> me and Scott are doing a thing. <laughs> and Charlie's like, no. And he's like, walks past him. He's like, I'm busy. Now's not a good time. Don't, and, don't, don't ask me what I'm busy with. It's not important. And all of a sudden, Saeed sees this a big fire. And he's like, we got to put this fire out. It's funny because both fires that the, the people on the beach have had to deal with were set by people in their own camps. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, it's going to burn through the camp if we don't. Is it? But it's like, it's going to burn through the camp. We have to stop it. I guess if you say so. I mean, you do have to stop it. <laughs> yeah. And Claire. Oh, my God. This is so fucking stupid. I hated every moment of this. This is so well, this dumb. this is one of those examples of where the mechanics... They're, they're forcing the mechanics. They're creating these mechanics to force the thing they Char- want to happen. Characters aren't characters. They're pieces on a board in and, this particular instance. Because they know they need to have Charlie trying to baptize that baby. So the distraction's going to work. So the justification for it is that everybody has to act out of character. Claire would be holding that baby. Claire would be standing by the crib. Uh, but she's not. And Charlie gets the baby, and he runs out to the ocean because he's going to baptize the baby. You're not a priest, then, Charlie. Then everybody gathers around, and he's like, like Echo, we got to baptize the baby. And Echo's like, not this He's way. like, don't you bring yeah. me in on this, my dude? Not, what? Not, not like this. <laughs> like, this like, it's so funny because it's like, he's like, I've murdered like a lot of people but like this is not cool my dude (laughs) and this is where Locke gets into the thing of like 
you're not her family. You're not yeah. Aaron's family. You're not Claire's family. Because this is where all the jealousy that Charlie is experiencing just pours out of him. And... And Charlie... Charlie... Like, they get to Charlie. Yeah. And Charlie hands back over the baby. And I'm sure he's embarrassed. Everyone's looking at him. And then uh, Locke punches him. Beats the crap out of him, He punches him a couple of times, but these are like Indiana Jones punches. (laughs) Like, it has that, like, kind of shotgun sound of, like, (laughs) you know, it's a tough... It is. It's like Indiana Jones punch. And Charlie's all beat up and bruised and... In the ocean, he's embarrassed. You should be. You kidnapped a baby. <laughs> and, you know, we... Uh, and, of course, everybody on the beach is assuming he is super strung out. Okay, now let's get to another problem here that comes. Charlie has kidnapped a baby. Yep, he definitely did. Technically, more than once now twice although the first time was by accident but they don't know that and his behavior after the fact would still lead them to believe it might not have been by accident yeah and at one point he literally stormed the beach and kate had to hold him back as he's screaming the baby needs to be baptized which by the way kate you probably should have punched him there (laughs) at some point because he was not taking maybe it's one of those things where you just this is so fucked up. Because I've been in situations where I've seen... I've been in situations where something bad's happened and I've reacted. And then I've been in situations where something bad's happened. And, and it's like, so uh, And it's so surprising or weird. Like the weirder, shocked. The weirder it is, you don't react. <laughs> and by the way, I've pulled that on people to get out of situations before. <laughs> where I acted particularly weird and crazy <laughs> to get out of a situation <laughs> so, if you want to share that i'm sure our podcast a, listeners would love to hear it. it's too long of a story but it, the, it got into a i had to try to rescue a friend from a club i didn't want to go to a club i wasn't trying to get into a club but because i was trying to get this guy off the line someone accused me of cutting the line they said something derogatory to me that i didn't catch as derogatory uh, my friend Alyssa then yelled at this person. Um, and you're like, how do I defuse this situation? And, well, <laughs> no. Then I then he said something extremely derogatory to her, and then I figured out what was going on. So I uh, yelled something at him. He yelled something at me. We got in each other's faces. <laughs> I realized this man will beat the hell out of me. <laughs> I have to, the only way to get out of this is to act like a maniac. <laughs> and it worked? And so I jumped back and I screamed at the top of my lungs. No way. And then I swear to God, and I pointed to everyone on the line. And I mean, there were bouncers there too. Like that was the other thing I was worried about. But I pointed to everyone on the line and I said, all you people can go fuck yourselves. And I said, I'm going to come back here and burn this place to the ground. No and I stormed way. out. And every, I swear to God. And everyone was so shocked and confused, including my friend, that they just kind of, like, they didn't do anything. Because it was somewhere, if I had just kept, like, yelling at this guy and it escalated. It would have kept I, escalating. So, but you, then you pulled this bonkers move yeah. and then like mic drop and left. and left but then the problem was we still had the friend who was drunk and stuck inside and yeah, then no good. later and then we were outside with some other people and like what happened and like 
Like, we have to go back in and get them. And I said, I, I can't go, go back. back. I can't go back in there. I just said I was going to burn this place to the ground. So the point is. <laughs> Sometimes things happen and you don't know how to react. Exactly. So maybe Kate did. This is my defense of Kate not reacting. Oh, no, a no, minor no. moment. No, no, no. A minor no. moment. I'm not, oh, yeah, I'm no, not no, blaming no. I Kate. I know. I'm I know. not blaming Kate for this. He was acting like a crazy person. But the point is. Here's the greater point I'm getting at. The next day, so there's established behavior. And the next day, Jack comes to check on Charlie. He's like, are you going to need stitches? And he's like, you know, this can't happen again. And Charlie's like, it won't. Well, what what I love about this is this is, even in an episode I don't like, I can recognize good writing or at the very least good dialogue. Because earlier in the episode, this is actually a callback. Because earlier in the episode, Locke asks him, as as we talked about earlier, you know, whether or not he was using, and that's when Charlie brings up, you know, Kate sees a horse, da-da-da-da-da, and Locke specifically says, you didn't answer the question. Yes. And so Jack goes, I need to know that you're never going to do anything like this again, and Charlie goes into this diatribe about how he wasn't using, and Jack goes, you didn't answer the question. And I really like that, I like parallel dialogue i i like that yeah. particular callback that is good because it's but it's too you know it's it's always interesting when Locke and jack are basically two sides of the same coin and i i think it's interesting because i don't think it works very often so much as jack and anna lucia being two sides of the same coin but i do think it's interesting whenever it does work here's my question about this Mm -hmm. great dialogue but it doesn't instill confidence no if I were to kidnap a baby (laughs) continue I would go to jail yes yes you would they can't send him maybe hey Anna Lucia could you dig another hole <laughs> we'll throw Charlie in jail I mean, for a little bit. I mean, I don't, I don't know. This was the Get first Anna time. Get Ana Lucia on whole patrol. Like, do you feel like throwing Charlie into an Ana Lucia dug hole and like keeping him down there for a couple days to keep him in like solitary well, confinement would be an adequate punishment? Put him in the hatch. Put him in a room in the hatch. I, I'm just saying that. This was the first time, and this never occurred to me before this, but this was the first time watching the series where I go, there needs to be some level of law and order. And if only there was a cop around on this island who could instill justice. Yeah, when a it cop needed- who would just shoot him <laughs> and ask questions later. <laughs> She'd take him out to the woods to execute him. Let me tell you what. But it did occur to me, like, should Charlie be in jail? Should Charlie be in the 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 version of lost jail right now? The it's hole a, dug by Anna Lucia. I, it just made me wonder. <laughs> um, then what you doing, Anna? <laughs> Digging a hole? <laughs> what for? You'll see. <laughs> then so then the end of the episode, we kind of cut between a few things. So Claire has gone to Echo and asked about baptism. Now, it's so weird that... I have a problem with this. 
Because it's so weird because the the episode goes to the extremes to show that Charlie is in the wrong for the way he's treating Claire, for the way he's treating Aaron, for the way he's inserting themselves into himself into their lives, for the way he lies to everybody. The episode really goes out of its way to show Charlie is in the wrong basically every step of the way. And you're saying this justifies or it the But that's kind the of... weird thing is that kind of like in a weird John Locke way, even though he's wrong, he's technically right because ultimately Claire and the baby get baptized and that tie that ties into the idea that everything on this island quote unquote happens for a reason, but I would also argue that this baptism outside of the actual spiritual Christian significance you want to place on it doesn't actually factor into anything island related because Claire, Aaron, Echo, and Charlie in the grander scheme of things don't matter. Echo dies. Echo gets killed off. Aaron gets raised by somebody else and there are zero consequences for Claire a little while. Claire raises a squirrel baby. Claire raises a squirrel baby and Charlie also dies. So but his this, death has, has meaning and consequence. It does? But this doesn't amount to anything. Like, this doesn't matter for, again, for, you know, the island where everything happens for a reason. Is the, is the reason this needed to happen is so that well, Claire did, and her baby could show up in the weird purgatory that they all ended up in at the end of the series so that then they ended up in purgatory anyway <laughs> so that they all had to wait and then wait for Jack and his dumb ass to get his shit together before they could go off to heaven. Like, was that the point here? And if that's the case, was everybody on the island christian baptized i don't think i think i think you're reading too much into the baptism i think it i think sometimes you know a cigar is just a cigar sometimes a, a baptism <laughs> sometimes is just a, a baptism, baptism it's just, just a, a baptism, baptism. <laughs> i i really do i really do and i think it's saying something more about the idea of faith or the, this i don't think you need to be baptized I don't think it's saving the baby in any legitimate way. But so what's the point? As it is, it just a justing? Because that's the thing. Is I think it's a Claire, character thing. Claire, I think it's all about a. Uh, I think it's just a character thing. But I it's, think it's it's not like Claire has any actual faith in God herself. It's well, literally she's literally looking at it as spiritual insurance. The way that Locke points it out, which as a as a pretty agnostic person these days, but I was raised Catholic, I find that kind of offensive There's because some... this action isn't actually because she believes in Catholicism well, it, or it, Christianity in any way, it, shape, or form. It's... She's literally doing it, quote unquote, as insurance. But isn't it? But isn't it? I mean, I maybe, find, maybe I, just I find don't... that kind of offensive. See, I, I guess I just the idea of religious insurance doesn't offend me i guess <laughs> to me like religion and the ideas that we have about god and faith a lot of it is just stuff to make us feel better or comfort us about the big answers and ideas that we don't know it and i feel like the baptism is doing that for claire i wonder if in another scenario if charlie or echo or somebody just said to her in passing like did you ever think, you know, we have a priesthood. Did you ever think of baptizing the baby? Are you religious? 
that she would have eventually come to this point too that it didn't need to be this extreme but you know we're dealing with extremes here on this island i'm just saying that like in either scenario whether one whether she's doing it just as religious insurance or two if she's doing it as a placebo to make her feel better i find it disrespectful and meaningless in both regards because like i said it doesn't tie into any of the actual island stuff and she as a person is not a person of faith yeah but you only know that now yeah in hindsight like at the time that's a hindsight so 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 take 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 the hindsight out of it if you take the hindsight out of it, then the way that this episode does frame it is that Charlie was right. Well, remember, and I also, think that's even worse. Well, remember, I, I don't think he's right. Or that it happened for a but reason. She, remember, we're dealing with a woman who was told by a psychic that Psychic she, in quotation marks. Yeah, that she had to... Like she had... I'm going to be very interested when we get to that episode um, where we talk about the psychic again because I, I don't think I ever saw that episode or I don't remember it for sure because I feel like that's going to recontextualize a lot of things too. Well, because there were, it was like there were specific rules being given to Claire about this baby. There's something... I, un... I... I mean, there's almost something being perceived... Here's the thing. There's almost something yeah, yeah, yeah. we perceived as unholy about this baby That's in some true. circles. You, and yeah, so go, go, go. if I had a baby that people were like, mm, this baby could be unholy, there's something with this baby, be careful about this baby, I might go for that religious insurance. Honestly, you bring up an excellent point. You bring up an excellent justification for it because the psychic was very, very adamant. Again, quote-unquote psychic. He was very, very adamant that it's very important that you raise this baby. Yeah, he was making him sound like Damien the Antichrist. So if you reframe it that way, then yes, I'm sure this baby being baptized would have been an interesting plot point. But again, in hindsight, at the again, at the time, they probably didn't quite know where they were going with it. And but in hindsight it doesn't amount to anything because Aaron doesn't matter. At the end of the day, yeah, it's funny that Aaron's not like Rosemary's baby. Aaron's yep. just a baby. He's just a baby, which, again, makes all of this pretty meaningless. Until they do that Lost reboot, and Aaron's, like, in his 20s now. <laughs> Is he going to take over the island after Hurley? Do you think? Maybe. <laughs> um, Is that after Hurley? Who, who do you think would be Hurley's successor? Who would Walt. Hurley pick? Ah. Um, no, Walt and Aaron must fight to the death for control of yeah. the island. Um, fight, fight, fight. So while while the baby's being bat, we've talked enough, I think, about the baptism. But the baby yeah, does I'm get baptized. No, 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 no. I, I, I just mean, mean like, no, 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 no. I didn't mean in that sense. I meant it in that I'm not going to go like moment by moment of echo pouring water <laughs> over the Aaron's head. Minute lost. But like, yeah, Locke, we see Locke at this point is also locking up the the statues, which, uh, why keep them? That was my question. I was like, were you planning on like giving I mean, them to the others and using them as bargaining chips? I guess chips? there's a scenario where he thinks heroin could come in handy. Like as a, like. I guess is a bargaining chip, or maybe even medically. 
an opioid I don't know know. and that was another question I have I feel like I should have looked this up before we started recording does heroin make you hallucinate um uh, everything I know from heroin comes from like requiem for a dream or <laughs> train spotting yeah and i, I remember nothing. in train spotting he has that hallucination of a dead baby, uh, dead crawling. baby crawling on the but, ceiling but that's when he's like that's a dream not on heroin yeah. also that's when he's Is like that going, he's going through, through withdrawal, withdrawal symptoms uh, so, but yeah I don't th- is that a thing I don't know. Well, Could only... we get a doctor to call into this podcast? Or can we just get some heroin? <laughs> and we'll do it live on the podcast. <laughs> and we'll tell you what we see. Um, the next Charlie episode we're going to do on heroin. No. <laughs> that's my commitment to you, the listener. That's, um, how, that's how dedicated you are to this craft of podcasting. Okay, real fast. There are some other things that happened on this episode. Some great things. Um, Sawyer again. Um, what was Sawyer doing? Oh, uh, because he was shot in the shoulder. Um, Kate was helping him do so shoulder was, exercises. Something's always being done to Sawyer. I <laughs> loved this. I actually really appreciated it because, like, I appreciate what Sawyer got shot at the very end of season one, and we're what thirteen episodes into season two and there are still ramifications. Dealing, yeah. He's still sore. He's still in pain. He's still recovering. I appreciate things where he's just not instantly better from the gunshot wound. And I love his interactions with Kate. They're so cute. They're a much better couple. And um his his interactions this entire episode are such a joy. Oh, they're great. Um so first of all Hurley asked Sawyer about Libby, and Sawyer's like, like, Hey, Jabba, what do you got? (laughs) You got a little crush there? And then Hurley kind of goes away, but then there's a moment where we see Jack and Anna Lucia coming out of the jungle, (laughs) and then Sawyer's trying to make... uh, Jack and Anna sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And he's clearly (laughs) trying to make Kate jealous. Which, again, this is all, like, such middle school nonsense. So then later, Sawyer's trying to teach Hurley blackjack. and Playing with Dharma Initiative cards. Which, I'm surprised. Do they sell those? Well, if they did, I'd have a, a deck. <laughs> You'd have a deck of cards, yeah. Um, that, it'd be cool to have a set of Dharma Initiative cards. So Sawyer... They see Libby. Libby's getting ready to do the laundry. And Sawyer says, because they're talking more about, like, how Hurley should, like, make some sort of move. make a move. And Sawyer says, I'm sure you have a load you need to drop in. Oh, my God. Which is. (laughs) So gross. Amazing. It's pretty crass. This was network television. (laughs) Sure, you've got a load you need to drop in. Oh, Lord. Sawyer. That's. You scoundrel. I love it. <laughs> um, and Hurley's like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm waiting for my moment. And Sawyer's like, this is your moment. And Sawyer's right. I love, this is so good. Hey, Libby! And then he pieces out. It's yeah. so great. It's so great. And then they're down there doing the laundry. And they make a comment about how oh, the, the washer and dryer seem newer than everything else here. Because... I guess they were, and this strikes me as something like, 
Oh, that washer and dryer looked pretty new. We better make we a better joke justify. about it. <laughs> we better justify it. In some I way. never would have even thought about it. And then Hurley has to go, the less we ask questions, the better. <laughs> so Libby's like flirting with them. She's got this other outfit she found. She's like, look at this cute top I found. Isn't it adorable? And I... L- I'd love this more if it went somewhere, but I do love this moment because Hurley looks at her. I guess this is like the first time they've been like this close, this one-on-one for this extended period of time. And there's something familiar. Yeah, he looks at her. And again, great performance here um, because, yeah, he goes, do I know you? And then her clearly lying. Yeah. But she does have facts. She did notice him on the plane because she does have all the facts right. He was the last one on. He was really sweaty. You stepped on my foot. Yeah, Yeah. that's how you know me and no other reason. (laughs) And then she puts on this top and, you know. It looks good on her. It's a cute top. She is a cute top. And Hurley, what does he say? It's awesome or something. (laughs) Um, It, It doesn't matter. It's cute. One more moment very brief jack is helping Anna lucia set up some sort of tent <laughs> which it's probably the same thing saeed was randomly <laughs> setting up at one point in the episode. it's busy work no 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 it's like hey what do we want to do for blocking for this scene i don't know let's have them mess with a tarp or something <laughs> so they're messing with the tarp Anna Lucia hasn't actually done any work since she's joined their their camp. She's just been sitting looking at looking off into the sunset. <laughs> and Anna Lucia is trying to figure out what got them to to turn back. Like what did they like you said you talked to the others, but what got you to turn back? And he's like, Well, they had a they were gonna kill Kate. And then Anna Lucia has the correct response of you hitting that? <laughs> She's like, I get it. You're hot. She's hot. So. This is the most playful Anna Lucia has been since, like, the kids were kidnapped, in all honesty. Because, like, yeah. she, she had this warmth and this kindness to her that basically evaporates after those kids go missing. Um, because that's when her heart turns to stone. And this is, like, the first time since all that where we see... The person who she used to be, I think, come out a, a little bit. Yeah. And she's giving Jack shit. Yeah. Which, I don't know why you're not commending her more. <laughs> Give Jack shit, Anna Lucia. Uh, you know what, He's a jerk sometimes. You know what? If we had gotten more Anna Lucia like this, I would have learned to love her. But <laughs> we didn't, so I don't. <laughs> um, And that, that's it. And and yeah, the, the the scene ends very abruptly with him going, no, I'm not hitting that <laughs> yeah how dare you even assume such a thing which by how the dare way you assume i would objectify kate in such a manner we're clearly <laughs> we're being sarcastic yeah. yeah okay so um i think it's time to wrap this up i think so too so what <laughs> what is uh your uh, man in black <sighs> it's weird because like this isn't a terrible episode, no. but it's so weird when you walk away from an episode being like, I feel differently about this character, and I, it, it, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on the meta either, but for me, this entire episode, and it's not like you have to make characters infallible either. People are people, and people are fallible, and people are 
capable of falling into the same traps over and over and over again and making mistakes. But for me, My Man in Black is just what this episode does to Charlie's character as a whole. This episode is funny because it is clearly... Because it deals with... It moves Charlie's storyline forward. It doesn't move the storyline as a whole forward. It does feel a little bit like... Not a placeholder, but... Because I don't want to diminish it that much. But it does feel a little bit like that. Um, Yours is what it does to Charlie. Mine is how so many other characters don't behave the way I feel like they would. Locke being a big example. Claire later being an example of people not... I feel like they're not behaving the way they've been established and they're not behaving smartly and it's clearly to move the Charlie plot along. Um, What's your Jacob? Um... (laughs) I could give it to Sawyer because any moment he was on screen was an absolute delight. But honestly, I'm going to give it to the horror movie moment. Um, because yeah. even though I hate the the sort of assassination that this does to Charlie's likability and to his character, it is, and I, I didn't even like the, the dream sequence leading up to it, but it was such a genuinely chilling moment when he wakes up and it's, in the, it, it, it felt very much like a scene out of Hereditary, you know? <laughs> like, she wakes up and she's like, ah, like, oh, was I pouring gasoline onto my son? I don't know, <laughs> you know? It, it felt very much like a, a moment out of a horror movie like that. And even though I hated what came later in the episode, that moment was clearly an accident. So it didn't, like... Charlie's still the victim in that moment. And later in the episode, his actions are not justified. But right here in this moment, you feel for him because he was having a weird dream and clearly didn't mean to do this thing that hurt the people around him. And and again, it's so dark and chilling and scary. And it's a real thing that people do. You know, people sleepwalk and they wake up in places that they didn't mean to. Um so to me, it, it felt real, it felt creepy, um, and it was exceedingly effective, and so I'm going to give it to that moment. I'm going to give it, uh, and this is kind of a broad one, but I'm going to give it to Dominic Monaghan in general because this was the episode where I realized that he's doing so much heavy lifting with this character. We shouldn't like the character after this. And I still love we, him. We find a way to, for, yeah, we find and a way to forgive him. There's something he's gonna do later that's also like what that you. I can't, don't remember. Well, I'm, I won't. I won't. <laughs> Legitimately I won't say, don't. I won't say. But it's something that he. Why do we like charm? He shouldn't come back from, but something about the charm he can exude. Um. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, Megan, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. Yeah, you can also buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. Yay, buy that book. Do it. Um, and you can follow us at No Love Lost Pod. So until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. 
I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us, might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.